welcome to You Had Me at Curious Staff Picks December Volume 2. We're recovering the other half of the collections uh, Curia has on offer this month of December 2021. We're going to be talking about some adrenaline junkie films. We're going to be talking about some film festival favorites from the circuit. And we're going to be talking some epics. But first, we're talking adrenaline junkies with Jared Nice. Jared, how exactly do you define adrenaline junkies? Oh, you know, sport films, films that are just fun to watch, the high energy, um, a lot of, uh, you know, people hanging off cliffs and running, running and, you know, just get, getting the blood pumping uh, and, and, so, and not, not, doesn't, not all, not super sports related, but sometimes, but, you know, a lot of sports involved too. And you chose Werner Herzog's classic documentary. I would, I would argue the, the documentary that sort of made Werner Herzog a household name, Grizzly Man. For 13 years, Timothy Treadwell lived among the grizzly bears in the Alaskan wilderness. During that time, he shot over 100 hours of videotape until 2003, when he was killed by one of the bears he had sworn to protect. one of my favorite bears it's mr chocolate hey mr chocolate he's been with me for over a decade and he's been my good friend oh he's a big bear he's a big bear a very big bear wow when you spend a lot of time with bears day after day there's a calling that makes you want to come in and, and spend more time in the world expedition 2001 i came here and protected the animals as best i could in fact i'm the only protection for these animals out here animals rule timothy conquered you know, I wasn't a huge, you know, early Herzog, uh, not, uh, I just didn't know much about him. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to documentaries, other than, you know, the stuff you would see on uh, the History Channel or, you know, National Geographic stuff. And, and so, you know, okay, this is a, you know, a documentary about a, a guy who uh, kind of is involved uh in, in nature and, and, you know, in bears in particular. And, you know, he, uh, you know, you think, you, you think, you know, what, what a, a nature documentary, you know, is. And then, you know, then you see like the way, you know, Herzog makes films, which is, you know, the way he interviews his characters to the, the background he gets to just the way he inserts himself into the film. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a crazy story. It's a, it's an amazing uh, film and definitely one that, you know, if you're not familiar with uh, Werner Herzog it, and you're coming into it looking, you know, this is like a bear documentary, then you're definitely in for, I guess, both a surprise and a, a, a wake up call. Well, it's such an instructional or uh, innovative documentary in the sense that I think Herzog had been doing this before, but since this one, sort of brought his documentaries more uh, wider acclaim and attention. Uh, I think you started to see people engage in documentary a little more likeless. Like prior to him, you had, uh, you know, Michael Moore or you had um, uh, Ross McElway, yeah. like directors involving themselves in ways. But then you also have Herzog kind of involving himself as well as spinning the truth a little bit and spinning it more to find a poetry in the truth right. rather rather than sort of like sticking to sticking to fact and i think after this you see doc you see filmmakers a little more willing 
to to do that. Like it, I, I do think Grizzly Man kind of changed the face of what a documentary could be for a lot for a lot of filmmakers. Absolutely, it, it didn't have to be stale or you know uh, at at a distance. Like you know, the you could be involved with the story itself, and uh, you can look at it at, through different angles and different lenses. And um, yeah, I think I think he definitely uh, did documentaries uh, a great service. For mine, I chose a pretty a pretty standard documentary, one that is still uh, incredible to watch, uh, and it's Rory Kennedy's Take Every Wave, The Life of Laird Hamilton. You're looking at Mother Nature build these mountains of water that are crashing down with intensity that nobody's ever seen. Hawaii's biggest swell in years. A storm with hurricane-force winds. It's the largest ever recorded. We'd heard it was undoable. It was just asking to die. I've been waiting a lifetime to ride this thing out here. Legendary surfer Laird Hamilton has pioneered the sport of riding huge waves. He was fearless. We all thought he was crazy. Which is kind of like a Michael Jordan's last dance, but for big, uh, big wave surfing's most famous uh, uh, ego personality and surfer, Laird Hamilton. And it definitely doesn't go as I don't think it's a I don't think it goes I don't want to say it doesn't go as deep as the last dance, but it's not trying to show as many uh, like warts and all as as last dance was with Jordan. But there's definitely an element of like this guy has a competition in him and they're as Daniel Plainview said, and like, you know, nothing can really stand in the way. Even at one point, his wife says in it that, uh, you know, I learned to, I, I, I had to learn that uh, it wasn't my fault, nor was it, was it anything personal that he always needs friction to create energy. And so I just have to step out of his way. Um, and this is a guy who's been surfing kind of almost like since the beginning and he just started surfing bigger and bigger and bigger waves. And even in the face of extreme injury, he, not his own, he would go up back out and surf immediately. Uh, and it's just a, a wild story of a crazy, dedicated person. People like that, I always find inspiring. I, I wish I was more ambitious and driven and like able to like really like focus my time very specifically for, for, for like maximum productivity and, uh, and, and bravery, but, uh, I'm, I'm just a normal guy. And, uh, so I watched that documentary and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out this much. I'm going to, you know, focus, focus, focus. And I'm like, oh, there's another movie to watch. I'm going to do that instead. Um, well, Ricky, you did just run a marathon, so you're doing all right. Thank you. I, I, I wasn't setting you up to say that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, under four as well for people who are keeping count. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I watched this like a few days after running the marathon as well. So I felt okay. in, my, in my own stupid way, like I felt very close to Larry Hamilton. <laughs> You know, like, like, like I'm with you, Laird. I know exactly what it's like. I know exactly what it's like to be dedicated. Meanwhile, he's surfing. Yeah, he's surfing like 75 foot waves. Um, But yeah, it's very uh, timely. You know, it's an older film, but it's you know with like the all the different you know 100 foot wave and all these different shows out now. It's it's definitely uh, you know it's timely. And he develops something in the movie. He develops like a new kind of board so that he can ride the waves longer. And there is, I will say there is a shot at the end of the film 
that is like got to be like four or five minutes of him riding one wave that is if you have made it if you've watched this entire film all of a sudden like his whole life is able to be encompassed in this one wave ride and it's really beautiful and this just this extensive shot of him from the beginning of the wave to the end and you're just following him ride it and it's majestic and beautiful and surprisingly moving like you know halfway through you start getting sort of welled up because you realize how amazing it must be to to be so in the moment where you're just coasting and moving and exploring and curving into this piece of nature that's guiding you along the way so really cool. it's one of the things about hosting this podcast like i don't think if i was on my own i would without being prompted i would i would you know click take every wave the life of laird hamilton because i don't normally watch sports documentaries so it's really happy to take a moment to to watch to get get the chance to watch this movie i liked it a lot now the next collection we're talking about is the sort of rotating circuit right. collection which is yep. you know the the sort of best of film festivals of the last couple decades or so yep. correct I mean, last uh, decade probably last, or a couple yes. decades sure sure i mean uh, most of it's probably 10 years but there's some definitely older ones yeah um and so you chose uh neruda personaje secundario yo no no señor porque te voy a agarrar han pasado solo tres años desde el fin de la Segunda Guerra Mundial y aquí está a punto de empezar una persecución fabulosa. Con ustedes, el poeta Pablo Neruda. Puedo escribir los versos más tristes esta noche. Talk to me about Neruda. Uh, Neruda is a film by, uh, you know, um, Chilean uh, master filmmaker Pablo Lorraine, uh, who did you know, just some of my favorite films over the past, uh, you know, 10 years, everything from uh, Tony Monero to uh, his most recent film, Spencer, which I, I can't wait to watch. Um, but he's just this, I, th I think he has a, a masterful eye for, for, for cinema and for setting up shots and for getting, uh, he's, he's really good at just telling stories of, um, you know, historical characters. And uh, my wife is Chilean. And so, uh, you know, Pablo Neruda is a big part of, uh, you know, we, we read one of his poems at our wedding and uh, we, uh, my, my father-in-law is, uh, you know, uh, probably would consider himself a communist. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, there's a nice. lot of uh, a good, uh, good tie-ins for this film and, and myself. I mean, I love Gael Garcia Bernal and, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a master it's just an, kind of like an epic film. It's uh, this, you know, they're just kind of chasing him. Um, he's like trying to get away and get a, go, you know, get out of the country. And uh, and there's this uh, Gael Garcia Bernalis, this you know detective who's kind of like chasing him through the countrysides. And uh, there's just all these beautiful moments. And is is Neruda technically part of his biographical? film like i mean it seems like it obviously would be but i think he said he was doing a trilogy and spencer was 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 the or no there's one more after spencer that he's making but it seems like maybe and maybe he means trilogy of those because they're in english language but it seems like it would be neruda neruda um jackie spencer and i guess maybe he's he's in the midst of making one more not sure yeah i know he's he's um that's a good question i don't i don't know um I thought it would be Naruto, Jackie, and Spencer. Or, but is it, hey. is it someone else? Uh, maybe. 
I yeah, I I, I saw an interview recently where he was saying that he was going to be making uh, another one, but he has kind of become the master of these sort of slice of life biography movies, right? Where I mean, at least with with Spencer and and Jackie, he's not doing a birth to death kind of thing. He's doing a very intimate, particular moment where he is sort of like zoned in on the 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 person that he's talking about's reactions and emotion and emotional internal world a yeah. moment in neruda's life uh, versus this you know sweeping kind of biopic um all that really counts is that he made tony monero and tony monero kicks ass oh my god it's such a good film i mean that, tony that's kind of first, awesome yeah tony monero is, is a you know you just knew that guy had something you know i mean obviously that the actor in tony monero is just a master um but obviously as a director to get that performance out of him is, is you know, it takes two to tango. Yeah. I, I, my, you know, I have not seen Neruda and I'm, I'm sure it's great, but there's something about Tony Monero that it's such a first film or close to a first film. It's so low budget, but it's so specific and unique and, antagonistic and provocative that like mm-hmm. I see a movie like that from a and I'm like I don't think you'll ever make anything I'll love this much again like this is so <laughs> this is so unique to being like a, a a first-time filmmaker like wanting to be this provocative and wanting and like only having these limited resources and folk and like training it honing in on this actor it's like it's just never going to be like this for you again you and me are only going to have this moment sir <laughs> yeah I I remember watching that film at, at, at Toronto Film Festival and, it, you know, he wasn't the Pablo Lorraine he is now. And it was more of like, oh, you got to go see this movie, Tony Monero. It's like, you know, but, the, you know, every year Toronto had, you know, three or four hundred films. So it was always like, how are you going to find the good ones? Like, the, you know, they're all obviously good, but it's like, how are you going to find the, the special ones? And I just remember watching this movie in a, in a small, like, you know, P&I screening and was just like, this is what it's all about you know (laughs) like like this is special and you know this is a new voice and uh you know that's the kind of stuff you just uh that keeps you going when you're especially a programmer it's watching films like tony monero for my selection for the circuit i chose super dark times Guys, my parents rented that movie, True Lies. Don't do it. I watched that scene where she strips over and over and over. The Silver Surfer is the loneliest dude in the galaxy. I mean, the Punisher is pretty haunted. You have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Allison Bannister. Hi. Would you? I don't know. I like her. Yeah, I like her too. He's got a thing for me. I like you, Zach. From 2017, directed by Kevin Phillips and written by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, who those writers recently did uh, The Night House with Rebecca Hall. They wrote that and they're working on the new um, Hellraiser reboot. Um, But this was a film that I remember having heard a fair amount about when it was released. For some reason, I, as much as I like some coming of age movies especially coming of age movies when there's a body involved then i'm like like river's edge i'm all in but for some reason i had kind of avoided this and i don't know why i think i just had like an aversion to what looked like um like 
low to mid budget digital filmmaking in the 2005, like in the 2010s era. Uh, I just, as someone who was interviewing a lot of indie filmmakers, if I could avoid it, I, I, I would. And uh, I watched this and I, again, I was the first time I watched it and I was really surprised. And mostly it's the writing. It's a really well-written thriller uh, with teenagers. And it really, when it has to dive into B movie territory, it, it works really hard to set up those moments so they're believable and when it dives in it dives in pretty hard so uh i really enjoyed this movie and also the dialogue between the teenage boys is extremely believable without being um overly cringe to to use a contemporary word everyone's using <laughs> nice. uh, uh but i really yeah i really like this i rec i i highly recommend uh super dark times if you're looking for like you know, teenage boys being bad and then being even worse to each other. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and so that's on the circuit. I mean, there's some. There's also some other great stuff on the circuit, as per usual. Um, everybody should check out uh, everything that's there. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for chatting with me, man. Thanks, Ricky. The railroad, the boom towns, a new life, and the promised land. Once upon a time. Mommy! Now we're talking to Trace Guzman, and we're going to be talking about the Epics collection uh, for this December. Um, there's a number of great films uh, in the Epics collection. Just to go over a few of them, we've got Carlos, we've got Che, part one and part two. We've got some Kurosawa with Ran. We've got Little Big Man, and we've got The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, which is a film that I love. I mean, I like a lot of these movies. But Trace, you have chosen uh, 2014's Winter Sleep. Yani çocuğu olay şey yaptığı için orada yanlış bir harekette bulunmuş. O yüzden Aydın Bey. Tell me about this film and what made you choose it. So this film is a Turkish film. Um, like many of the movies in the epics, which I'm sure we'll talk about the category as a whole soon. But um, like many of those, it is a longer film, runtime of over three hours. Um, it won the Palme d'Or in 2014 at Cannes. Um, and it touches on a lot of really important themes, um, really uh, abstract concepts that are made to feel not so abstract in the film, um, but it's incredible. You know, in terms of the, the category as a whole, how would you say it fits into epics? How are you defining epics? So I was thinking about this before and I looked up 
Wikipedia seems to think that it's um, more about it being, which I think what a lot of people think of is big budget, big uh, spectacle, you know, expensive, expansive also. Um, and I think those things can be true. And I don't think they're necessarily not true for all epics, but um, I think surely they're expansive in at least some sense of the word. But I think that what they had in mind when they're putting this collection together specifically is that the epics in this sense are movies that have something to say. Um, and they understand that what they're saying, A, needs time to say it, um, and B, deserves the time that it demands of you to watch the movie. Um, these movies are all at least two hours, many closer to three. This film's over three hours. I think The Woman Who Left is four. Um, if these were books, they would not be light reads. Um, and so it fits into this because of all of those. It, it's, it's about the human condition. It is a character study in a lot of ways. It is, um, you, you, the plot is knowing this character, um, this main character and, and the other character, the supporting roles as well. Um, what led you to, to this film? I just, I was just looking over um, the, uh, the list for the month and saw it won the Palme d'Or. I'm um, not as well-versed as I'd like to be in some of those winners. And um, yeah. Uh, and what was it like watching this, uh, this film for you? I mean, it's a Turkish epic. He said it's over three hours. Uh, was it hard for you to get engaged or were you wrapped up in the filmmaking right away? No, no, no. That's, that's something that's, I think it does help to go into the film knowing that you're going to be sitting with some material at some times with no dialogue sometimes, just, just watching, hearing things that are happening. It, the, the film's very, it's, it's visceral. It, it allows you to feel the textures and the physical or emotional senses of the story. Um, like the characters are cold and it doesn't let us forget this. Like it, it's snowing for most of the movie. Um, the ambient sound and diegetic sound, there's no like shortage of moments when we just kind of, like I said, we just sit with some fire crackling in the furnace or snow falling against the windows or something. And, and e even uh, abstract concepts that normally like fly under the radar in normal life, they're, they're made to be um, very apparent. Um, like the, this guy is, we realize halfway through kind of that he's arrogant um, and it's kind of cloaked in this facade of um, him being very thoughtful and, and caring about morality and stuff like that. But we realize that he is arrogant and that, that only happens because we're able to sit with him and watch these 15, 20 minute conversations that will happen in one room at some points. But we need those things to understand this character and to understand all of this. And, and that is what allows you to be able to um, sit through three hours of that is because you you are knowing that you're studying a person um, and studying these humans. It's not a ginormous cast, an ensemble cast by any means. Um, so to answer your question, no, it, 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 is, it is 
I was reading some articles about it and some people called it the, the easiest three hour watch that they've had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not a tough one. You're not going to have to drudge through it in my opinion. Um, for my Epic, I went with a, um, with a classic, uh, one that I like a reason to check in with as, as, as much as I can. And that's Sergio, Sergio Leone's, uh, once upon a time in the West, the man in search of a name. A film by Sergio Leone who gave a new face to the West with a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Starring Claudia Cardinale, Henry Fonda, Charles Bronson, and Jason Robards. From uh, 1969, starring Charles Bronson, uh, Jason Robards, and an incredible Peter Fonda in what was kind of his first turn as a villain. Um, he was mostly known for the John Ford films, uh, Young Mr. Lincoln, uh, and some of the Hitchcock films that he made. He rarely played a villain, and this was kind of um, a turn for him where he plays not just a villain, he plays a real awful human being. But what defines this uh, as an epic for me is its scope, its shot on, there's very little talking in it. Uh, Leone consistently finds ways to tell stories in the scenes using using the body, using looks, using as few words as possible, which is interesting to see, especially right now when our kind of takes on Leone culturally have been Tarantino, which was, let me do Leone with as much dialogue as possible mixed in, or the more recent, the harder they fall, which is sort of somewhere in between uh, no dialogue and Tarantino's all dialogue, which makes it, unfortunately, I think it kind of muddles it a little bit and makes it sort of tasteless. Um, but with Leone, you get this extreme expansive, uh, Western about the, um, construction of the railroad and how much violence went into that as well as psychopathology went into that violence, um, and revenge. And, um, he does this incredible thing where scenes start and progress and you're unsure what the scenes are about. And then all of a sudden, once it clicks what it's about, everything else makes sense and has a has carried a weight with it. But you can kind of operate slightly confused for the first part of a lot of scenes in the film until all of a sudden it clicks into place. And I think that has to do with him not wanting to explain anything. Um, I love this film and it gets better every every viewing it's um sumptuous as some people would 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 say and leone is just such a badass the characters are are so badass right from the opening where bronson jumps off the train and takes out these bad guys but that whole opening with the fly on someone's face and the cast is incredible uh i love once upon a time in the west but i I love sergio leone films as uh as well yeah I, i i love Talking contemporary, I I love the Bond franchise is one of my favorite franchises of all time. And whenever I watch Westerns or spaghetti Westerns or anything, I realize that that is maybe where this whole, because Bond is all about coolness and suaveness for me. That's the whole appeal. 
And I realized that coolness and suaveness kind of originated in Westerns, um, often taking the form of like, you know, these macho men, but that's cool to hear the, the through lines there. So I hadn't thought of that before. The through line is there, but I think, um, you know, Bond is suave. These guys are hard. Sure. You know, and these guys are, these guys are badass. There, you, there's the, uh, the evolution of what we've seen in, you know, in and men. I, and I think also the evolution is that the cast is largely made up of men who, who saw war, who like yeah. actors who like actually served. And so yeah. none of them, uh, they all look like they would potentially get into a bar fight if you offended them in reality, Absolutely. you know, they'll, they'll win. Yeah. They wouldn't get their publicist to take care of it. They would actually possibly punch you in the face. Bronson alone is so badass, And, um, it's hard to remember just like why he was an action star if you watch some of the later movies but when you watch this it makes perfect sense how it happened well trace uh good talking to you man thanks for joining yeah of course thanks for having me on That does it for You Had Me at Curious staff picks for the month of December. You've heard Volume 1, Volume 2. We've selected some great movies that we love, some first-time watches. But outside of those, every movie on Curia is pretty incredible. That's why they've been curated for you for the platform. So don't just listen to uh, our advice about the movies that we like. Tune in. You'll never be let down by any of the selections. Thanks. Thanks.